before we get started with the program, I just want you to know this is a comedy show. There are going to be some things said that you may disagree with, some things that you may agree with, some things you may like, some things you may hate. It's all in good fun. A lot of my research is based on quick Google searches with a bottle of whiskey at 2, 3 a.m. It's just me. I don't have any, I don't have a high profile team behind me doing research and cataloging things and citing sources and stuff like that. I try to do that myself, but I'm only one man working this. I don't want to say copyright disclaimer under section 107 of the Copyright Act of 1976. Allowances made for fair use for purposes of criticism, comment, news reporting, teaching, scholarship, education, and research. Fair use permitted by copyright statute that might otherwise be infringing. AKA, please don't sue me. This is all just to inform the audience of what I'm looking at here. I'm trying to try to relate when they listen to the show. Other than that, uh, I hope you have a good time listening to the show. Hope you enjoy it. Hope it's one of your favorites. If so, what you can do is you can go to wherever you listen to this podcast at, be it Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever, Overcast, wherever podcast player. If you can, just rate me five stars is appreciated, but not necessary. Just rate wherever you feel like I, I, I deserve, honestly. In the comment sections, you can write anything you want. About for this time, you just let me know a little bit about yourself. How did you come across the podcast? That's always fun. How did I come to your feed? If you're interested in contacting me personally, uh, I do have social medias, but they're kind of all over the place. So the best way to reach me is adcomedyjokes at gmail.com. There you can send me all types of uh, insights, criticism, likes, comments. You know, what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show. Came across your show, man. It was trash dookie. Had to turn it off. <laughs> so just let me know. You know, let me know where where, where it is that you, you stand on the show. But, you know, I know you're out there listening. I'll look back at your boy. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Following is a disclaimer for the SFW podcast with Adrian. Please know while this podcast aims to entertain its listeners through comedy, it may occasionally incorporate audio clips from shows, TV, or music for the purpose of commentary, criticism, or parody. The use of audio clips is protected under the Fair Use Act of 1978. Fair use is legal doctrine that allows limited use of copyright material without obtaining permission from the copyright holder for purposes of criticism, comment, news reporting, teaching, scholarship, or research. While every effort is made to ensure compliance with the FAIR guidelines, the SFW podcast agent cannot guarantee the accuracy or appropriateness of the use of any audio clips from shows, music, or TV. Any audio clips used in this podcast are done in good faith and accordance with fair use principles. Please note that the podcast is intended for a true audience who appreciate humor, and may contain language and discussions of a frank nature that individuals may find offensive or inappropriate. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the SFW Podcast with your host, Adrian. Let me turn this off or turn it down so you don't hear the stuff in the background. Um, 
How are you doing? Before we get into anything, I keep saying I'm sorry I left you for so long, but I've been debating on what I'm going to do with this podcast. Do I want to... I'm... Jesus Christ, I'm about to jump right into it. No move, no nothing. Uh, let me let me, let me, me do some foreplay first for you, baby. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I've been working. I've just been working from like... One place, 8 a.m. to about 3, and then I go to the other job. I get there around 4 to, say, 10 or 11, and then I come home. That's mostly Monday through Friday. And then on the weekends, I'm working, I don't know, 3 to 11, something like that, right? So I'm pretty much uh, working around the clock. Why are you working so hard? Well, I'm working so hard because I'm trying to... I had a goal to reach a certain amount in mind by this time next year to move. I wanted to move out of state. I wanted to move somewhere out of state. I I was thinking about either moving to Arizona, Vegas, somewhere in Cali, just somewhere I've never been before just to try to get a new start somewhere. So sick of this area. I grew up in this area. So many people I know in this area. I just feel like I'm not growing as a person in this area, and I just want to try new things. Uh, Maybe go back to New York. Maybe try New York again as a resident, not a student, where I be working and stuff like that. And I mean, I wouldn't mind going back to New York, to be honest with you, but it's just one of those things. It's like, if I do do New York again, I wouldn't mind moving back to Queens. Queens is fine to me. I don't know people... Just kind of shit on it. I remember when I was living out there, I was like, you asked you where you from. Oh, I'm from Brooklyn. Oh, I'm from Harlem. Oh, I'm from even the Bronx. Oh. Um, well, where you staying at now? Oh, I'm in Queens. Ew, you Queens? Ew. Like, what? Why are you making that face when they say Queens? And I never understood that. I never understood the the, G, the positioning of the boroughs. It's like, I'm not in Staten Island. <laughs> so I know that much, right? I can still get to the city in under an hour. So if I were to go back to New York, it would either be uh, Queens, Brooklyn, or Bronx. Seem to be the. If it is Brooklyn, it's not gonna be. It'd probably be like East New York, somewhere on the edge where they still haven't quite gentrified yet. Because <laughs> rent is expensive, man. I tell you that much, man. I, the one thing I don't want to do is move somewhere to a new state or wherever I decide to move to, and. I only have enough money to live into a place that's, you know, you don't want to move to another state just to move to the ghetto. I can do that here. <laughs> Save my money. <laughs> just get used to you get your shit getting broken into every now and then. Uh, so I definitely don't want to do that. So the, at least with this uh, on paper, because uh, you know a lot of places nowadays that I can look at your. Uh, pay statements and stuff like that, see how much money you make and things like that, at least on paper now, I make a lot more money, which is, it's so fucking funny, right, when I had all the cash on hand in the world, because I made it, I used to make a lot of, I didn't make a lot on paper for the majority of my culinary career, restaurant career, whatever you want to call it, I didn't make a lot on paper, but I always had cash from tips, paychecks, stuff like that, you know, I always had a good amount of cash on me. Now that I make a lot on paper, I'm perpetually broke. I don't have any cash on me, other hand. Like, I mean, oh, I got all the essential covers. Rent is covered, the Wi-Fi is covered, and I don't have food for groceries, but I don't have any money to go out and do anything. 
I'm not going to be going clubbing anytime soon or going out for drinks or meeting up with anybody anytime soon. So that was part one of the thing that's going on with me. The other part is this too. I will say this before and I'll say it again. I'm, I'm off those dating apps, bro. I'm off those dating apps. I just want to get to meet people. It's just those dating apps, man. I don't know. I don't know if it's the dynamic of women and men today or if it's just me. It's just, I just don't want to waste time, and, and a lot of people just want to waste time. It's the same conversations over and over again. I mean, I get it, you got to get to know somebody, but how many times I got to tell 12 strangers, oh, what do you do for work? Oh, do you live by yourself? Oh, do you have any family here? Are you local? Or where are you from? Uh, it's the same conversations over and over again. And let's say, uh, let's say I meet. 10 women online and we start talking, right? That's not, that's, that's about, whatever. Out of the 10, maybe five will actually want to plan something with me. And another thing I do, I've, I've, I've made it very clear this too, I didn't know that this was a bad thing. Like, people make it sound like my man, man asking the woman that sent me, send me pictures of them titties, baby, or that ass. I had to weep certain people out and certain behaviors out. I said, hey, if we do decide to go out, I want to, I think we should go Dutch. We should split it. Split it that way. If one of us has to have a good time. The only thing that's lost is time. You don't have to worry about, you know, paying for this woman's dinner while she's a perpetual serial dater who likes to schedule, you know, uh, free free dinner on Monday, free movies on Tuesday with this one guy, going clubbing on Wednesday with this other guy who's gonna buy me drinks. Probably get him up now, motherfucker, to get me on a cruise one time. You know, like you just got a whole different book of activities with different guys, and things like that. And that's all they do, is hop around. You know, like mm, I really want to try that new restaurant to open up. Let me see if I can hit this guy. Sure, I would love to go to this restaurant. Mm -hmm. and, and look. Let's be honest with yourself, ladies. Some of these ladies out there, not every lady, but my ladies, your mere present isn't enough. You're not a divinity. Right? Even if you believe in me, you're not Jesus, you're not the Virgin Mary, you're not Allah, you're not Buddha. Right? Just being in your presence isn't enough. And I'm not going to be paying your way for you to, you know, be a serial dater or a freeloader, or you think that you're the greatest thing in the world when there's. Another one just like you down the street, and they can say the same thing about a guy as well. Here's the thing I want to attract someone in my life who is loving, kind, patient, open minded, compassionate, caring. Uh, I might have said the same thing multiple times. The hard part about that is this too with these, with these um, dating apps, all you see is pictures. All right? You just flip through pictures and. Sometimes the branch ones get the, get the most attention, man, because she's sitting there where where she's sitting there with a dress that's like just cut below the cheeks and cheeks are popping out and you know she's got her little bio. I'm all about mine. If you want to get with me, you gotta spend more than just time. So it's kind of sound pricey. It's like I feel like I'm flipping through a book of escorts. I'm gonna take the redhead, I'll take the blonde, and um, for dessert tonight, I'll have the one with the big, big, old, big old booty cheeks. Yes, that sounds good. Check mm, You know, it's like I'm doing fucking dinner menu. And another thing is, too, you know, the hypocrisy that's on fucking a lot of these fucking sites. So a woman can be sitting there with 
again, I don't mean to generalize all women. I don't mean to make this like a red pill thing conversation, but it's 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 I, I really wasn't paying attention to it before, but now I'm not, I was out there trying to because most of the time I was working a lot of the time, so working a lot of the time trying to build, and I really wasn't paying attention to what was going on out there. Yeah, I got going a few days here and there, but really wasn't looking for anything substantial. Now that I'm actually trying to look for something substantial, like instead of just like a one night stand or uh, somebody just to kill time with. It's hard to find that. So what substance? I mean, yeah, I'll take I'll take a freak Alika out for some dinner and drinks and we can go dance and she can throw that thing back up on me. But do I want to take freak Alika to meet my grandparents? Probably not. No offense to freak Alika, she's a fun time, but I don't want around certain people. <laughs> um, was, oh, the hypocrisy. The hypocrisy of some of these. So you can be a single mom with three kids from three dudes within your bio I don't want a man that has his kid has kids like bitch you got three kids with three dudes so the guy that meets you can't have kids already and he has to contend with three other dudes already and your three kids that's six people already come on now just, that was just an example of something like that you know and just say what you want, say what you mean on these things. Don't beat around the bush. Sometimes I come off and shoot a wreck and that seems like I'm being aggressive. Not aggressive, like, show me that pussy. Not like that, but it's like, um, say somebody says, oh, what are you looking for? Right now I'm looking for someone that I can build something with. I don't know what that is yet, but just someone I can build with. It could be a relationship, it could be a partnership, it could be... Temporary, it could be long term. I don't know. I'm just looking to build right now. See how we vibe. See where that how you know where that gets off. At. I don't want to put all my. I feel like when you when you go out looking for something, yeah, you know what you're looking for, but also you're too set focused on that one particular thing. You miss everything else going by. Like I said, just like me and freaking Lika, right? <laughs> so I'm I'm I am involuntarily celibate, but don't call me an incel. Uh, what I need, what what I do need to do though, is I do need to get out and be a little bit more sociable though. Find something I can do once a week, some kind of volunteer service. We've had this conversation before. I feel like we, we we've had this conversation before. I find a group or something to do something once a week. Let me get my eggs together for the new year. I want to start fresh, and I'll do that. Definitely need to work out more. Right. Started walking more with both jobs walking around more uh, but I need to start eating healthier so it's kind of I don't know I feel like I've been losing weight but it doesn't show because it doesn't show until you to you drastically lose a bunch well not drastically lose a bunch but you know what I mean like if someone's 350 and they lose 300 not not 300 if someone's 350 and they lose 50 pounds you might notice it on them, but they're still pretty big. You know what I mean? That's where I kind of feel like I am. Not that I'm like 350 or nothing like that. But that's where I feel like I feel like I am losing weight. It's just not quite as noticeable. But I'm going to keep doing what I'm trying to do. I think I need to work out more, though. I've been losing weight because I've been working, not because I'm working out. <laughs> that's another thing, too. So, yeah, that's just... It is what it is. It is what it ain't. So, I just got to focus on myself, man. Especially if I want to... 
do this move, man. I'd like to definitely like to do this move somewhere, somewhere new I've never been. Somewhere in Texas, just anywhere where it's, you know, I even thought about like fucking uh, Colorado because when people were saying that uh, if you work in the service industry, Colorado's pretty, pretty, Denver, Colorado's a pretty good town to work in. You can work there and work, work as a cook. I can work on tips, make good money. It's just, I was just, you know, that. Interesting enough, I was also going to say Utah, but I don't know what the thing is with Utah and, and stuff like that. Like, it's heavy, it's heavy in the, in the Mormon sense, but I don't know, like, I know they have something called, like, I don't know, I don't know if it's, like, really stripped down there with things you can do and things you can't do. Um... So Jesus Nice is doing 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 a show on his own now. He broke up with uh what was his face? Um anyway. Uh okay. Um yeah, so anyway. So that's that that's all that's been going on with me. Oh, and and, and family wise too, my um Grandfather's doing better. Hold on, that is bothering the hell out of me. I need to. I don't know why that's bothering me. It was a dust mite from. I need to get a carpet in front of the door. So I wipe my feet off when I come home because I'm tracking dirt in, and it looks like a fucking from a distance. It looks like it looks like a critter, a big black thing. And I was like, what the fuck is that? And when it wasn't moving, I was there. I looked over there. Oh, it's a, something from the bottom of my shoe. There's something that tracked in from who knows where. Um, oh, our, our grandfather is in good spirits. Um, he had some health problems before. He's still going through it, but we're working together uh, to, you know, hopefully he gets better and he has many more years to come and many more words of encouragement and precious memories to share with us. Other than that, let's get in the news, in the news, in the news. You know what's so funny a lot of times is I've recorded and edited and deleted so many things. I had a whole dissertation on, on the current state of what's going on with Diddy and, and, and Cassidy, the whole thing. Let's see if I can find it. Uh, on a credible news source, here it is. Which one's longer? This one was a little bit longer. CBS Morning News. Oh, did he? I think he just—I think literally he just settled with her. Rap mogul Sean Combs, better known as Diddy, is facing serious accusations of abuse by his former girlfriend and collaborator. In a new federal lawsuit, Cassandra Ventura, known as Cassie, says Combs raped, physically abused, and sex trafficked her during their relationship. The suit was filed under a law that allows alleged sex offense victims to file suits past the statute of limitations for criminal charges. Combs denies the allegations. Really feel like, this is thing too, like, I mean... I think Diddy is responsible for a lot of fucked up shit, allegedly. This is my personal opinion. I don't think Diddy's a good person. 
I think this isn't the first time he's been he this isn't the first time he's been accused of doing some stuff. And me personally, in my honest opinion, I think that he's capable of some very awful acts. But he's never gone to court for it. But I think recently he also just settled. And my thing is this like if I didn't do it, I'm not settling. Just like with the whole thing with Michael Jackson. You accuse me of the type of stuff Michael Jackson did. And I, I'm Michael Jackson, and I got the time, and I got the money. I'm fighting that shit. I'm fighting the court case. I'm not going to settle out of court. Hell no. Well, you settle. You know, I mean, I know it's various reasons people settle. Usually, the average person like me, who doesn't have money like that, would probably settle because going to court is expensive. It's time-consuming and everything else. You're just like, I just want this to be over with so I can get back to my life. I'm going to settle. Mm. But if you got the money like Diddy, or you got the money like Michael Jackson, I would not, and you're just like, oh, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, or he didn't do it, I would never fucking settle. I would fight the, I would see you every day, we're going to have a court case every day of the week, until you stop showing up, or until I win this. We're going to keep doing this, and I'd let it play out. I'm not going to settle. Burnett has more, and a warning, some of what you're about to hear is very disturbing. Also, it took Cassie speaking out for this to become headline news, when... People have been saying for years Diddy's been on some fuck shit, but that's how it is, you know. I guess because most of the victims were men, you know, Diddy's parties. For years, music mogul Sean Diddy Combs and singer Cassandra Ventura are one of hip hop's most recognizable couples. But now Ventura, yeah. fans as Cassie, says she spent that time quote trapped by Mr. Combs in a cycle of abuse, violence. And sex trafficking. Trying to get me fucking demonetized? God damn, now I gotta pay Diddy royalties. Jumped to fame with her hit single, Me and You. I bought that album. They had some good hits on it. On a 10 album deal, according to a civil suit, Ventura filed in New York federal court Thursday. Saying that, but she only produced like one or two. I don't even think she had a second album. Be honest with you. Look. At the time period, they're in the early 2000s. I think if Cassie came out now, she'd just be another beautiful, light-skinned girl who can kind of sort of sing and dance and just be like whatever she had to contend with the rest of them. Back in the day, I guess because she wasn't as... I don't know. I mean, she's she's a beautiful woman. I just she was, feel like she was missing something. I don't know. It's like, she felt like she was like average as far as like that spectrum of like talent. I can't sing or dance. And they probably, well, she, they probably say, well, she can't sing or dance either, but she can do a lot more than I can. <laughs> and she was a dancer. Like a professional dancer, not like a strip club dancer. That's when the abuse began. Ventura claims Combs frequently forced her to consume drugs and alcohol and commit sex acts with male prostitutes while filming it. She says he also often punched, beat, kicked, and stomped on her. Mm. The complaint also alleges that in 2018, after she tried to end their relationship, Combs raped her. An attorney for Combs yeah. denies the allegations against him. Of course, they always do. They're never going to say, like, yeah, my client 100% did that shit, for sure. But it's probably... And accused Ventura of blackmail, saying, quote, for the past six months, Mr. Combs has been subjected to Miss Ventura's persistent demand of $30 million under the threat of writing a damaging book about their relationship. We're going to go through the process of writing the book. Is that the new diss track nowadays, books? You're going to write a whole book 
set up like a three-minute song. We read a whole book. Jesus Christ, you're trying to get me fucking... No, I don't want to owe Puffy any money. Producer for rap legend Biggie Smalls, later winning three Grammys. Sean Combs is facing a... Isn't it interesting, Neville, that Sean Combs, during the 90s, had one of the hottest record labels in the country. Bad Boy... We had all he had the hot artists on there. Uh, excuse me. Biggie, Craig Mac, Craig Mac, Blocks, uh, Total, 112, and from the 90s, like the early to mid 2000s, right? Bad Boy was kind of sort of a thing, but the only one that's made money is Diddy. You know, like everyone's pretty much said the same thing. Mace, I'm sorry, I forgot. I completely forgot about. Jesus Louise. I'm so sorry, Mace. <laughs> um, he, you know, he's known for not, you know, like, bad business practices. Well, probably not bad business practices. But technically, they're probably just all in the game in the music industry, really, because it's not technically, it's like, I don't know how to explain it. It's, I give you a million dollars for a loan right to produce an album you take that money you spend it on however you want to spend it to produce your album but also take it to account top of the million you got to include the marketing you got to include the uh my cut of it as well on top of the loan i already gave you and the marketing it's like everything is like it's like a, it's like a loan with interest already before you even get the loan yeah i'm gonna give you this one million but then you're gonna owe me five back that's just the bare minimum. No, it's not marketing, touring, merchandising, uh, you know, and they're allowed to do that. They're literally allowed to do that. Like, think of any other business where in order to work for me, I mean, I guess you cannot take the money, but then you're not going to be working. But, the, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, like, I don't. Because <sighs> you're never going to get anybody to really to break it down. I mean, they talk about like 360 contracts and stuff like that, and a lot of that stuff goes away. I kind of get it. Is that the record, the record company pays you, you pay all the stuff, and eventually, this is 360 because eventually the money goes all the way around in the circle. Of, you know, a never ending thing, but no one's making, the artists isn't making money for sure. Know that much. Especially with the streaming stuff nowadays and everything like that. And physical sales not being the thing they once were, like physical copies. I mean, someone could say, oh, you hit a million streams in a week. Is that is that good? Is that bad? I don't, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can't get a million people to give me a dollar. I'd be happy about that, but... Serious civil case here. CBS News legal analyst Ricky Kleeman says the case could prove difficult for Combs' legal team so long as Ventura has witnesses and evidence to back up her claims. On the scales of justice, she also said that, one of the... that uh, Diddy blew up Kid Cudi's car at one point because he was trying to go scales after Scales to be heavier by a feather. Well, he's interested a in dating her. Difference. Then and now Kid Cudi's running around, running around in a dress. She's Louise. I know I keep saying that a lot, but... The criminal case where the burden of proof is so much higher than what happened. Wizard. 
Men's wearing a dress. Now, lawyers deny any allegations of blackmail, saying Combs offered her eight figures to silence her. Wow. Mm. So this was filed under New York's Adult Survivors Act, which basically right. allowed people to bring cases well past the statute of limitations. The window to do that closes next week, so that might explain the time. On Thanksgiving, in the lawsuit, which is extensive, 35 pages, she says she's doing it so that it gives voice to other victims of... Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think Diddy's did a lot of fuck shit, and this is just one of the things coming back to mind. I mean, PD already got caught up with the uh, Tupac murder. I think Diddy was behind that, but you can't really prove that. This is from TMZ. Susan Shepard, Sopranos actress, dead at 89. Susan Shepard, I don't know who that is. Key roles in Sopranos and Goodfellas passed away. Oh, she's just some, or probably one of the mob wives. Uh, appeared in 20 episodes of Sopranos as Mary DeAngelis. I don't know. She was also in Goodfellas, playing mother. Oh, so she played uh, the mom. Your father never goes anywhere. And he sits here, you know, that's not normal. <clears throat> I don't remember that part. But I don't remember her in Sopranos. Sopranos had a lot of stuff going on in the background. So rest in peace to Suzanne Shepard. Uh, that's a phenomenal character actress. Taylor Swift is Taylor Swifting across this country. Uh, Samuel Hexford Jr. told personal trainer chopped up bodies in a horror movie too much for me hey bro if ever Persia's a little different fools will really be getting chopped up in Mexico for real it's hard for me to agree by I'm down with Persia and I can too I still wanna what what is he saying Samuel Hexford Jr. told personal trainer Trip the bodies a horror movie too much for me. Samuel Haskell Jr. apparently couldn't stomach the gore depicted in a horror movie, even though he told a powerless year he's accused of being a butcher. Doesn't mean he still didn't do it. Uh, TMZ obtained IGDMs May 20, 2023. That Samuel, the son of Hollywood super agent Samuel Haskell Jr., okay. See that's going. Sent his ex personal trainer Troy P. Daddy Pidade P I E D A D E Pidade, which touched the forever purge flicked that Simon has dead junior said made him queasy because of this membership body, this bodies. Uh, I don't really care. I don't know why I looked at that. I don't know who he is. I don't care. Is he being accused of butchering people? Is that why they brought that up? I don't know. Uh, Dana Carvey's son accidentally overdoses. Uh, extreme weight star Brandy Mallory died in a chicken in a Chick Fil A parking lot in her car. That's just. New dog says he's giving him smoking. Just talked about the Cassie and 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 that thing. Um. What else? What else? What else? What else? Uh. That is just bullshit. I don't care about. Um. Yeah, that is just bullshit. Okay. Burt Young did it. Eighty-three. Okay. 
else did he that happened recently? When did this happen? Oh, this was last month. I think I already knew that. Okay, never mind. I thought that was recent. I was like, I thought he already died. Yeah, he, yeah, he's been dead for at least a month, as of now. Um, what else? What else? What else? Nick Hogan arrested for DUI. Same city as 07 crash. Nicki Minaj, Nicki, uh, I'm sorry, Nicki Minaj, I'm sorry. Megan Thee Stallion's XBFF party drops diss track after she suggests he, she suggests cheating. I don't, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck about anything in her career. Because report reveals big details of Matthew Perry's death. Matthew Perry died about a month or so ago, I believe. Um, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift making everybody wet, making white America wet. I don't give a fuck about either one of them. Um, okay, Paula Jai Parker blasted for questioning Cassie's claims of abuse. Paula Jai Parker, best known for such movies as Friday, where she played. The Hoochie Mama. It tells from the hood when she played the abused mama. And I think she was also on Soul Food. <laughs> One second, let me look up her thing. Okay, before we get into comedy hype news, I'm gonna talk about this. Um, I know I kind of breezed through that. Oh, I'm sorry, I just saw something on the TV and I was like, what the hell is that? Um, it's just I don't know. I mean, there was some celebrity deaths and stuff like that, but if one of the big news. The 2024 presidential elections are coming. <sighs> Theoretically speaking, Trump could still run and probably still win. Even though he's going to court for all these trials and charges and things like that. I really don't think it's going to stop him. If he, if he, if it, if, it, if, it, if it legally can't stop him from running, and he could still run. And they're saying he's in the polls, even though he hasn't been debating. He doesn't even need to show up to the debates. He's just threw his hat in there and just rolled out, like, hey, I'm in here too, rolled out. Well, here's what it is. Um, I just don't think you can't treat a, company, a country like a company. It doesn't work that way. People aren't employees. I mean, isn't that what they've been fucking in all those awful futuristic movies where, like, one corporation is in charge of all of the country now, and, 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 and I swear I saw a movie like that, the, the, the Citizens are no longer citizens, they're employees of the company. And it was like a whole thing. I forget, it was one of those futuristic, weird, weird ass movies. Uh, I forget the name of it. Anyway, Paula Jai Parker calls out Cassie over uh, Diddy allegations. <clears throat> I was capable of saying no. Okay. Right, plus news. I'm trying to. Veteran actress Paula Jack Parker is ruffling a few feathers online after she was shared her reaction to seeing the Cassie suing Diddy for alleged rape and abuse. Yesterday it was revealed that the longtime girlfriend of Diddy, Cassandra Ventura, known as Cassie, will file a lawsuit against Diddy, whose real name is Sean Combs, for a series of disturbing events that include male sex workers, drugs, and blowing up a car of someone romantically interested in her. On Thursday, Jack Parker, who starred in Friday, The Wayne's Brothers, and other classics was sent out a series of messages which would serve as opposition to Cassie's claim. Oh, 
Okay, I don't really think she should have said anything, to be honest with you, but it's her. <clears throat> it's always, like, people who, like, no offense to Miss Parker, beautiful, beautiful woman. Even when she was playing that ratchet character, she was still fucking beautiful as hell. Beautiful woman, talented actress and everything she's in. I just think sometimes you just got to keep your mouth shut on certain issues. Don't let them set you up like that. You know what I mean? Like, just like if you're a rapper, if you're a new school rapper nowadays, and they ask you anything about older hip-hop, no comment. I don't, it's, it's all good to me. Everybody's good. Everybody's my top ten. <laughs> They're trying to set you up, bro. I'm sorry, but I don't get it. I used to be 19. And I was in the industry, and I was quite capable of saying no. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm saying she wasn't complaining about being a woman and the fame that came with me. Well, yeah, it's usually what deals with the devil, you know. What goes on between a man and woman is just that at what point does pleasing your man become all this? Only chicks dating freaky millionaires? <sighs> I mean... You can't compare her struggle to your struggle and what you went through to what she went through, even if it's the exact same thing. You're two different people with two different life experiences. That's what I think, Ms. Parker. Um, yeah, I mean, she... she. Uh, it's like fucking going out for drinks with Cosby in, 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 in the 80s or 70s. Everyone knew what Cosby was into, but no one wanted to say shit. So I just let the shit happen, just like Weinstein, just like Epstein. What goes on between a man and a woman is just that. At what point does pleasing your man become all this? Only chicks dating freaky millionaires. I guess I'm just a child of the 80s. I believe Miss Nancy, what she said, just say no. I'm trying to see the victim here, but do sex slaves usually get to pick their sex partners in five-star hotels? I think y'all just don't like her, but she didn't invent the game, she just plays it. Hubby thinks I don't like her, but that's not true. I don't like chicks that take the easy route and get mad when it doesn't pan out. God bless a child who got his own. Oh, oh that's right. I forgot. Y'all get caught up in beautiful. You see a pretty little fawn and pink bandy instead of baby demon. Maybe I'm jaded because I'm here. I live it and see it every day. The pretty ones with a little talent take what they want while the rest of us depend on God. The Bible says bribery is okay in business. Give a little to get ahead. So she did. He should have took the deal. These sweets would begin to make rounds of uh, okay. triggering several users. That's a lot. Nobody got apologized Parker's number that can tell her this ain't it. No friends. Is apologize Parker okay? Admittedly. Speaking on Cassie and Diddy and victim blaming. Did he got a? I don't know how 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 Reese said that. They're playing some of his shirt off. He got a 
I mean, he does work a lot, but he feel like with all that money, he'd have time. To, like, no, if you set, if you literally set your own schedule, and you have all that money, you shouldn't be looking like that. That's what I think. He's, he's, me and him, almost got the same body type now. <laughs> Fuck it, I'm working on that PDD bod. Yesterday, a member of NYPD's public information office erroneously told a reporter about the apparent existence of an active case file containing the name Sean Combs. There is no such investigation at present. Further, the release of such information is not consistent with the internal policies of the office. Of the so yeah, pretty much. Uh, I, don't, I don't think she should have said it either, to be honest with you. I mean... That's the problem when they say everyone's entitled to their opinion, but not really, but you are, but, mm. What's going on here? Oh, that was, a, that was a while ago. That was new. TMZ. Let's see what's going on here. Let's see if we can get any videos here. Oh, yeah, Will Smith sleep was sleeping with Dwayne Martin. That's been a thing. Some some guy came out and said he was they were on a set of All of Us or something and uh, he was looking for Will Smith and they don't find him and he goes into Wayne Martin's room and they're, I guess Will was blowing his back out I don't really remember what the allegation was Will was and I just use TMZ because TMZ is messy but. If they report something that isn't false, it's on them. That's false, it's on them, it's not on me. I'm not fucking scouring the internet looking at police documents and stuff like that. Well, according to the 2012 affidavit, it says here that Sean Diddy Combs and Nate Cassie got into an altercation at a, at a five-star hotel in, in, in Bali. So I wonder what that was about. You know, like, no, I'm not going on that. I don't get paid enough. It's all volunteer work. TMZ Live, Harvey Levin, Charles here. So, um, wow, this was shocking to wake up to this morning. Actually, la late last night. Uh, Will Smith um, has been um, the subject of a podcast mm. where a supposed friend of his, um, clearly, I would say clearly former friend, even based on what this man, his name is Bilal, uh, if, he was, he if, if he was a friend at all. Right. I think he was there. So, unwind with Tasha K. So, apparently, Tasha K is a quote unquote respectable podcaster, YouTube, wherever she is. It's just the whole thing. I never heard of her until Cardi B fucking sued her. But apparently, a lot of people want to do interviews with her or interview her. And I've, I've been hearing her name floating around in circulations and things. And. People wanting to talk, you know. So she she's got a lot more going for her than I knew about. And I, I mean, I, maybe I've been sleeping on Tasha K. I don't know. But yeah, apparently she she's she's been been at this work for a while. She's not just some random podcaster that got sued for saying some bad things about Cardi B. I said Nicki Minaj in her. I meant Cardi B. Same person, same fucking robot. They just. Ratchet up the model. So we got a Queens model here. So the first model was the Lil' Kim 2000. Okay, okay, got that. But I wanted a little bit more raunch here. A little bit more raunch here. Then you get the Cardi B bot. Not the Cardi B, the Nicki Minaj bot. Okay, okay, that's a little bit. But I wanted nasty. Like, stink nasty. Cardi B bot. That's the final model. No, no. Ice Spice is the newest model. If, we, if they were cars, 
Ice Spice is the latest model. <laughs> so, we'll see where that goes. But yeah, Tasha K. Uh, I mean, I hope she's making enough money not to fucking... Didn't she learn before about bringing people on her show to, to spread rumors and stuff like that? Like, she's interviewing this guy who's claiming that he saw Will and Dwayne Martin getting it in. Which is really nobody's business but their own. If that's the case, if it did happen. Doesn't affect you. But rumors of Will Smith's sexuality and his proclivities have been a thing that's been rumored about in the industry since his since he did that movie, Six Degrees of Separation, back in the early 90s. I think that was actually before Fresh Prince. I think. Or it was during Fresh Prince. It might have been during the first season of Fresh Prince, something like that. But it was before Fresh Prince got popping, popping. It became a household name. Um, but she like, like why, why do you keep inviting these guests on here? Like, what are the credentials to get on the show? I guess she just takes it to her own hand. You just let somebody on there that says they know some stuff. I'm going to let somebody... Like... This is Consuela. This is uh, Donald Trump's longtime maid that worked in her his house for many, many years. Consuela, can you tell us about Donald Trump's hairpiece? Like, you just, I don't know, like, that seems kind of, I don't know, like, he's just, the only she got sued the first time, and, and all that. There's video of him and Will hanging out, but he he goes on this podcast and he says he I witnessed Will Smith having sex with a man that this guy said was Will's best friend. Right. Will Smith said it is outraged, outraged by this. Poor Dwayne Martin is in it. it Nobody it cares. That whole <laughs> Nobody cares about Dwayne Martin. Was he the victim? Was he the willing participant? Uh, <laughs> Floodgate. Yeah, so uh, after this podcast, and Bilal was uh, on uh, Tasha Kay's podcast, probably remember the name Tasha Kay. She's the woman uh, that Cardi B, Cardi B, Cardi B and yeah. And Cardi won four, actually more than four. I thought she won seven million dollars. Came down to four, but it doesn't matter. She hasn't gotten any of the money. But uh, Bilal was on her podcast and made this, this claim that he says years ago he saw this in because he was friends with Will, and he's also working as an assistant, and claims that he saw this going on. Um, Will Smith wasted very little time in responding to this, once responding, once they heard about this, uh, what his reps told us, they said, this story is completely fabricated, and the claim is unequivocally false. Um, and they said that Will is considering uh, taking legal action. Now, well, Jada, it was interesting this morning, well, we got Jada coming out of one of the morning shows. Um, she did not equivocate at all. So that's a bridge too far. She can embarrass her husband with all the entanglements and Will's a bitch and I haven't wanted to marry him and me and Tupac. Might have been lovers of another life, but we were only friends. And secretly, I almost had Tupac's baby, but I'm not going to tell nobody yet. And that's going to be for part two of her book. What I didn't tell you was bad. I used to be a drug dealer back in the day. Like, so, I, I mean, I guess it's all right for her to say these things about her own family and, and to be entertaining. You know, like, 
the Red Table Talk and all that stuff she and the book she put out. I mean, if it's, if it's a lie, yeah, sue. But I mean, bitch, you were fucking airing family secrets like it was going out of business. And let me tell you one other thing about Will Smith and Tupac that you didn't know about. And let me tell you another thing about Will Smith and Tupac you didn't know about. Let me tell you something, you know, like she was just giving this shit away like fucking state secrets. And you saw the way she said it. That was she knew that resolve, and actually couldn't wait to say it. She waited for that's right us to finish the question. Um, so she says they're gonna sue. I, I just um, now what's interesting is. Dwayne Martin and Will Smith and Dwayne Martin are friends. We've seen them hang out for years. Um, and Dwayne isn't responding to this, though. No, um, he's not. And people close to him uh, this morning are telling us that basically he doesn't, he thinks this is all so ridiculous. These claims are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Rumors, they have no yeah. credibility behind them. And people close to him are saying he's just not going to give any attention to this. So he's no plans to publicly speak out about this at all. More often than not, Dwayne Martin's response, if you want to call it that, or non-response, is what we see happen. That when these outrageous allegations and stories are told, rumors that celebrities just go, it's not even worth my time. Doesn't you start by a response. It's, it's a, a slippery way. slope if you start suing over everything. So speaking of suing, I, I, I think this is kind of it. Is Dwayne Martin really popping like that though? Not not as big as not as much as Will though. Definitely nowhere near Will Smith's level. I mean, you can still be friends and stuff like that, and look up to him, and you know, try to do your own thing. And, hey man, next time you do a big budget movie, put me in that motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Let me just get a little cameo or something in that motherfucker. Let me get a little payday or something. You know? I'm just checking for a Dwayne Martin movie. People are checking for a Will Smith movie. I think. I mean, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Ever since the slap, it's just been one thing after another for poor Willie. At what point in time does he have to just step away from all this negativity? Divorcing Jada, going to Tibet for a year, and I'm just going to get my head together and just meditate in the mountains somewhere and try to realize what do I want out of this life before I pass on. Kids don't like him. His wife don't like him. And just it's just the victim of all. It gets to a point where you felt sorry for me for a little bit. With the whole Jada thing, like clearly she's not a good person. But at this one point, like, dude, you can walk away, man. Like you're like you're the breadwinner of the family. No one's checking for Jada movie. She could be in a movie with other people, like Girl Trip. It had her, Queen Latifah, Tiffany Haddish, uh, Regina King, I think. But it wasn't Jada. Jada wasn't top billed. I mean, she was in the top building, but she wasn't the first. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't Jada Pickett Smith and Quincy for. Like, this is the 90s, but no one's checking for. And I'm not hating on Jada. Jada was in one of my favorite movies, Demon Knight. But to be honest with you, the role she had in that movie could have been played by anybody. Demon Knight is one of my favorite movies of all the time. I watch it anytime it comes on. As long as I can get to the part before they get to the hotel. I can watch the setup. I'm always good. Bully Zane's character in that movie is fucking hilarious. We just should have done more with that character, man. I wish they made a part two of that movie or something. Or a prequel, maybe, where he's chasing him or somebody else like him or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, Jada was in that movie. Jada was in that movie, and she was the hero of the movie, spoiler. So, I mean, there's a movie I like Jada Pickett in. I don't really care too much for set it off, to be honest with you. I mean, Queen Latifah killed that role, but I don't think she was acting. Uh, <laughs> I'm saying, fresh off of Jersey. 
interesting. I don't want to get too legal here. But um, years ago, um, there was a story out uh, that Richard Simmons was transitioning. It was a false story. Um, and Richard Simmons filed a defamation lawsuit. Mm -hmm. The judge in that case said, I'm dismissing this suit because in order for Richard Simmons to sue, you have to show that the story itself would subject him to scorn or ridicule in the community. And the judge said that we've evolved as a society so that it does not subject you to scorn and ridicule to say that, uh, to say that you're um, a member of the transgender community. Now, I'm not... Uh, Richard Simmons is kind of already out there, though. The exercise. Oh, yeah, okay. I barely know who he is, but... <sighs> Skinny white guy, big red afro, very effeminate talking. In the 90s, he'd be wearing, like, a leotard or something like that, or some spandex. And he'd have these people working out with him, and they'd be doing, like, workouts and stuff like that. And he'd be like, you can do it. Believe in yourself, girl. You can do it. Yay. Just all you need to do. Like, very positive affirmations, things like that. He's just a little bit too sugary for some people's taste. That's just why I think he didn't take off as well as he could have. You know, you want to get that workout in, you want to get big and swole. He was, you know. <clears throat> like that guy that does, what, P90X, who, who supposedly is gay. I don't know if that's true or not. But got a nice body. I mean, I want. I don't want that. I don't look like that. So. I'm sure the judge is right because there's a lot of prejudice in this country. Right. And frankly, I think the judge is right, and it was more aspirational. Right. I mean, I this get case, why the judge would say it, but it's not true. Now, in, actually, in yeah. this case, though, what's interesting is, does that apply here, or is there an overlay? Because it's not just involving, uh, you know, this allegation of him doing whatever with his right. best friend. But he was a married man, and Jada was somehow involved, and that could be the nature of the defamation. But not, right. but it, it becomes kind of an interesting legal issue of whether that scorn and ridicule applies. Exactly. Here. Exactly. My name is Joy Daly. I'm calling from Washington D.C. and I'm. Hello, Joy. Where you living at, girl? Can we meet somewhere? You got the things popping out, looking nice. Mm, 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 mm. Where you at? Really not surprised that Will Smith's camp denied these claims because, like you said, the, the interview was really graphic and it was really detailed and it, it sounded really horrific actually. But these rumors about Will Smith's before we go down this YouTube rabbit hole, end up wherever the hell we're gonna end up. Oh, I forgot to make my announcement at the beginning of the show. So, as far as the show's concerned, I don't know if we're gonna do one big episode once a month. Or do like record a big show and chop it up into several pieces and release it weekly. If you prefer that, let me know. You want me to do? Cause you come on now. I know you don't want to listen to me for four or five hours like back in the day. It wasn't me sitting there recording for four or five hours. That was me. I record one thing one night, another thing one night, one thing one night. But it, it was all a part of the same show. It just happened when I put it together. It ran super long, so I can do that, and that'll be one day one episode once a month. It's going to be super hella long, or one episode that's cut up in Issued Weekly, like different parts of Issued Weekly. It'll just be a continuation. Now just come on here. This is going to be a continuation of the last week's episode. Please enjoy. And then it'll just get into the show. You won't have to listen to any preambles or anything like that. Sexuality have been circulating 
for years. And and, and that Tasha K, I Joy. think she's going to get sued again. Yeah. Um, possibly even uh, the ex-assistant who's giving all this information. And it's like, why would you do that at a time like this? You know, I don't know if he thought he was going to have some type of financial gain from this, but he might be getting the opposite because if he gets sued, they're going to take him mm. for everything he has. So, I think it's going to be very uh, uh, interesting to see how all this unfolds legally. If it goes to the lawsuit, and we don't know. Kind of looks like Although her. Although, Regina seems pretty determined right now. Uh, we're going to move on. Yes. Oh, that's uh, definitely to, her. Uh, Jason, Kelsey, Found her Facebook page. Apparently, we got mutual uh, friends. Famous Kelsey brothers. Uh, the NFL. Reunited hey, girl. Saw you on TMZ. Oh, I thought it was him. looking nice. <laughs> what? What's up? I'm in your area. I said I don't care. I don't care. I don't care anything about Taylor Swift. Um, so that's in the news, 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 in the news. We can... Um, I'm just going to end up going down a fucking YouTube rabbit hole if we end up doing that shit. Can I find the... Let's see if we find Tasha K interview. See if we can do that. Uh, oh Jesus Christ! It's 40 minutes. It's an hour. It's almost two hour long interview. I am not watching two hour interview for any of that stuff. The White Howard accused sexual uh, misconduct or allegations of rape or something like that, and it's saying that he's it's supposed to be in the news, but I think that everyone knows that by now. Yeah, he's. That's how you get into a motherfucking YouTube rabbit hole. Uh, what's going on with Charlamagne and DJ? Because they still host the show together. So, my wife got me. After what's her face left? DJ MV might not be the. So, this is uh, Kiki's T. I don't know how credible this is, but. Definitely feels like if you watch the Breakfast Club, definitely feels like those two aren't really cool anymore, or they try to overdo it like they're still cool. Only Breakfast Club host who is on the way to jail, because according to the new reports, Charlemagne the God might be on his way too. So is Envy about to snitch to get a lighter sentence from the feds? 2023 seems to be the year of everybody getting exposed, and DJ Envy is the latest celeb. Shout out to the show on Fat Joe. Fat Joe's on with Fat Joe. He's medium-sized Joe now. Good for you, brother, losing all that weight. I know it was hard for you for so many years, especially since Pond, rest in peace, died of obesity. Uh, to join the list. And not only is he getting exposed, but it looks like he just might be booking himself a room in prison pretty soon because he has caught a federal charge and there are allegations that he's a part of an elaborate Ponzi scheme that has scammed victims the real estate thing. I mean, do your own Googles and stuff like that. It was a whole real estate thing. He invited this guy named Caesar on the show and talk about housing, real estate, and stuff like that. But then a the guy, social media. Look, here's my point of contention. I don't care how good your resume is or how, you know, you've, you've had success in the past. Let this person tell you this, that, whatever. 
flipping anything, flipping money, flipping houses, if, if that's your social media, flipping this rent, flipping these bills, flipping flipping anything is, sounds like scammer code to me because flipping something, I mean, most of the money's going to go in my pocket. Maybe a little bit of crumbs, keep you happy, but most of it's going in my pocket. Of millions of dollars. The idea that someone of DJ Envy's stature could... And it's because he bought him on the show, interviewed him. He's his business partner. He introduced him. A lot of people wouldn't have done business with Caesar otherwise, but because he was, quote-unquote, Envy's friend, business partner, had interviewed him on the show, talked about him all the time, doing the real estate thing, that's saying that that was like a, you know, they're both in on it ever get caught up in something like this is wild. But here we are. And the crazy thing is that DJ Envy might not be the only Breakfast Club member who's caught up in this Ponzi scheme because some other Breakfast Club members knew about the entire fraud as well. And according to several media outlets, Envy is about to pull a 6-9 because he is snitching on everyone involved. And one of the names that keeps coming up over and over again is that of Charlemagne. And it looks like this mess is way bigger than we could have ever thought. Now, Envy hasn't been indicted on these charges or even been officially charged, but... You can't... Yeah, see, that's the thing, too. Like, you can't say they're charged documents. There are documents that mention him, but they're not mentioning him as, like, a defender or anything like that. It's just saying, like, let Caesar through DJ Envy or whatever it was. According to sources, he's expected to be charged any day now because federal authorities are investigating him. They even paid a visit to the Breakfast Club headquarters where they raided them and took away some electronics for investigation. Yeah, now, if y'all know the feds, you know that they usually lay low and watch you from a distance until they get enough dirt on you. They only make bold moves like this if they know that they have a lot of evidence to build a case against you. So let's just say that MB should start checking. Yeah, once... I don't care what he's doing. Once government agents come into your building, your place of work, your residence, and start raiding your place and taking out electronic devices like computers and things like that, oh, dude, I don't know what they got on you or what someone told them, but it's a wrap, bro. It's, it's coming to a close out defense lawyers. Also, if you are a little confused, let me just give you a quick breakdown. So, MB's business partner, Cesar Pina, recently got arrested for running a Ponzi scheme and stealing money from his clients. Y'all know the real estate business that DJ MB claimed to be invested in and how he would go on and on about it? Well, according to the feds, his business partner, Cesar, was using the business as a front for a Ponzi scheme and had defrauded people of about $12 million. And he has been... I heard it was more than that, but I was like... The number keeps fluctuating to me. I thought it was like... 20 at one point, 2025 or something like that. Charged with one count of committing wire fraud. The feds have been shadowing Pina and the business on the low for a while, slowly building a case against him. The crazy part is that they have had him on their watch since 2017, and they built a case against him for six years. Child, Pina is never getting out of this scot-free. It all started in 2017 when Pina had the genius idea to renovate and resell real estate properties in New Jersey and other parts of the country. Now, this should have gone smoothly because real estate is a gold mine 
and can make you millions if you're smart. Well, mm-hmm. Pina was determined to be smart and make his money, but there was one teeny tiny problem. He didn't own any piece of real estate in New Jersey or anywhere else for that matter. Right. And he didn't have the money to buy one. So he decided to start taking investments from people, promising them returns between 20 to 45% on their investments in just five months. Now, this should have been the first major red flag to everyone who invested because a return on investment that high in such a short it's unlikely. time is almost always too good to be true. Right. It's so unlikely, dude. Like, that's what they say. That's the only thing. Like, look, investing and stuff like that is always a gamble. It's a gamble. You might as well just go to the casino with that money and throw it on the table. That's what they always say. That's what I've heard. It's always like, if you, you can invest a little bit at a time, but don't go all in all at once. Invest a little bit, see how it goes. If it doesn't go too good, you can always pull out and you didn't lose that much. But, you know, you throw 500 grand in it, just expecting to get, I don't know how much ever in five months or whatever. It's not going to work out that way. High, you know, high returns, things like that. And then, there's, like I said, he doesn't own any property. He's not. Was, was So, was he going to take the money to buy the property and flip it? Is that what he was saying? Because that's my question, too. Like, okay, well, do you own any property in Jersey right now that that's going to make us money? That seems a little weird to me. But the clients decided to trust Pina with their money because he was partnered with DJ Envy. DJ Envy is a pretty big name in the black community because of his work as a host on The Breakfast Club. So it's only natural that people thought that he was legit and they chose to stake their money into it because of him. Mm-hmm. Or at least that's what most of them said. And honestly, I think they were telling the truth. I lost $1 million. And you went in because of DJ Envy. Uh, his name is DJ Envy. I mean, that's not his real name. His name is Rashad something Kelsey or Case or something like that. But that's another thing though. Anybody ever asked those two guys? Let me pick your names. I know DJ Red Alert, DJ Green Lantern, DJ Who Kid, DJ Envy, hmm? one of the seven deadly sins. Hmm? You're accused of being envious of money. I mean, it's not DJ Greed, but same thing, right? And Charlemagne the God, and you claim to be a man of God, and you've monikered yourself the God, Leonard Kelvy, or whatever your name is. Interesting. I say as I, Mr. Burns, my fingers, I don't even know if he does that anymore on, on Simpson, but back in the day, Mr. Burns used to go, excellent, with his fingers. I mean, you know, I've known Envy for for years. Who says he worked on Envy's cars for years and believed his pitch. He did get back a return on an initial investment with Caesar that maintains a second investment on this Patterson. And what I said was what they do, they treat the big fish clients, right? The ones with the money to keep reinvesting. I got to give you something back. Otherwise, you're not going to reinvest. And you're the big fish. You can hold me out long term. So let me give you something. It might not be as much as you thought it was going to be, but I'm giving you something back significant, right? And then you just pull a little fish like me along the way, a couple thousand here, a couple thousand there, a couple thousand here. I mean, that's really peanuts compared to everything that's But it adds up over time. I mean, you get enough people. Let's hold on. I get 100 people to give me $1,000 each. That's a hundred grand. A minimum of a thousand dollars each. That's a hundred grand. 
And then you cut that off. You give a little bit to your, your top fish investors to keep them happy. That's how poly schemes work. The property went south. It wasn't for DJ Envy, I would have never invested into Caesar. I lost a total of $64,000. Like I said, Envy had built a name for himself, and people trusted the business 100%. But that turned out to be a grave mistake because Pina decided to use the investor's money on himself. To live a lavish lifestyle. from the company to spend on his very lavish lifestyle. And when the time came for him to pay back the money plus the interest, he just used money from new investors to pay the old Right. That's that's what a Ponzi scheme is. You take it, but uh, I don't know, cause because I'm gonna have to look up Ponzi scheme after this to clarify what it exactly what it exactly is. And the guy Charles Ponzi, I saw something on where the name comes from him. What he did, because he was basically it came because the only reason is law because he was defrauding rich white people. If they if they just going around defrauding poor black people or poor minorities. The whole time, no more shit. Because rich white people were the target the first time around, is we gotta stop this in its tracks. Uh, make it racial. It didn't have to be racial. Why did I make it racial? I apologize to my Caucasian brothers and sisters. I apologize. No, I'm an all right with you guys. This meant that he had crossed the line from being a real estate investor to running a Ponzi scheme, which is illegal. And the wild part about this is that Pina got investors to put their money towards buildings and properties that he didn't own. He would show them pictures and videos of properties that he said was his and encourage them to invest in it, only to turn around and offer the same property to another investor person. and get them to put their money. Showing the same house to several different people. Look at this house in Jersey. It's a little rundown right now, but it's in the upcoming neighborhood. You give me about hundred grand right now, man. We get started on renovating shit, fixing it, flopping it, doing doing this, that, and third with it. Alright, cool, you gonna put in about fifty? Alright, cool, cool, bet, bet, bet. Look at this house in Jersey right now. It's in the rundown neighborhood, like just the same house over and over again. Into it as well. This way he was offering up Did he have any houses? Did any houses actually exist? Cause it has to be I gotta see the product, you know what I mean? Because I'm, I'm so paranoid about shit like this, about investing in stuff like that. I gotta see the product. I mean, I'm sure he brings you to like some fucking lot or somewhere. And, yeah, so we gonna build it up from here to there. You know what I'm saying? Like, all right, well, I'm gonna come back here next month. I don't see no progress. I want money back. Of one building to multiple investors, which is just shady. And before y'all come talking about how Envy probably didn't know and how Pina could have been deceiving him as well, several victims have come out to claim that Envy was actively involved in the business and there's no way that he would not have known. known. Some even claim that Envy went with them to tour the rental companies. Yeah, the same ones that Pina didn't even know. And y'all, they decided to play in the big leagues when it came to scamming. According to insiders, a company called Amy Flips claimed it had provided Pina with $500,000 to invest in property and lost all but $30,000. A month later, attorneys for a New York man named Trevor Roman alleged he was owed $280,000 by Pina and his company saying their client was one of many who fell prey to these fraudulent <sighs> but that's my thing too when does it turn into a I mean I guess it turns to a party scheme when you're using the money to live your life lifestyle but what if you sincerely just don't know what the fuck you're doing or you're bad at investing and I give you money and you just you're awful with it can you be blamed for it then? I mean, it's just like, well, he just didn't know what he was doing, I guess. 
uh, and deceptive tactics. In July, a New Jersey man named Paul Peralta claimed that he had given Pina $600,000 in four payments. But it gets worse for Envy because several celebs are also speaking up about how he tried to manipulate them into investing in his company. Envy calls me as someone that Yeah, Joe Budden, famously. He said, I called Joe Budden, and Joe Budden said, yo, this sound like a scam. Speaking to we have not spoken about anything. And he calls me and starts talking about some real estate shit. For me, that's odd. <laughs> we don't speak. And now you calling me, telling me that your man's with the government and he can get the buildings and there's a list that it be me, you, and Queen Latifah, and whatever the fuck he was saying, because I was walking my dog in the backyard and someone, I'm gonna stop listening at this point. But that just sounded fishy. You give me some money, we're going to tell you, we're going to get this, we're going to get that, we're going to... Child, things are just starting to pop <laughs> on for Envy, and he even admitted that Joe Budden told him that the business was going to land him in prison. Guys, I'm doing real estate. This is something that I think that, you know, you should invest a little bit of money and try it out, and that way you can do it. Joe Budden told me it was a Ponzi scheme, and I was going to go to jail. He should have listened uh, to Joe because he would have... <laughs> now Joe is the, is the oracle. Joe knows all. Nah, he just he just shit down like where's your man getting these buildings from? Like is he does he does he own the property? Is he in charge of the property? Is he have access to the property to sell it? Just can't give me money to buy pro I mean, I guess people can technically give you money to buy property to like if it's if it's a broad thing of like, I'm interested in building up fixer uppers. Find me some fixer uppers around the city to build to to, to uh, invest in. And that's their job. I found you this house on the street, dilapidated. It's been here for years. It needs to be fixed up. Boom, 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 boom. Give the money to him to do what it needs to be done there. But if you just say, I already got the property, give me the money. But then he doesn't have the property. Have saved himself a whole lot of trouble. I don't know where I was going. I feel like I had that. <sighs> if you give somebody large amounts of money, find out where it's going. Find out where every fucking cent is going. Even if there's a penny left over. <laughs> Where's this penny going? Huh? There's one penny right here. Is that going in your pocket? Now, at first, Envy tried to deny the allegations. Now, Caesar, if he took money, I wasn't privy to it, nor did I even know. But I do understand how people feel if they did give him money, because I gave him a lot of money. Jesus. That I didn't see a dollar of return. But for, for anybody to say I was involved, that's totally not true. But you kept giving the money, though? Never. He I feel like if I give you a large amount of money on an investment and I don't get anything back on it, then I'm not investing with you anymore. I don't even get a dollar back. You can come to me, oh, yeah, here's that dollar. I know you gave me 500 grand the other day, but this is what you get back. Good luck, nigga. <laughs> that the reason he even got involved in the first place was that he wanted to help the black community grow their wealth and make smart investments by giving them the information they needed. So Why is every time somebody says they're doing that, they always end up scamming the community? Every fucking time, dude. Caesar and myself did seminars. Now, the reason I did these seminars is because I wanted to uplift my community. I wanted to teach my community about real estate, things that I didn't know when I was first buying my first home. 
I wanted to teach our community about investing in generational wealth. He seems bold in public, but according to insiders, the reverse is the case because he is actually terrified. He knows that the feds have built a case against him and he risks going to prison for a very long time. So he is desperate to do anything that's going to keep him out of prison. And the streets are saying Envy is trying to negotiate a plea deal with the feds in exchange of his cooperation. And that brings what? us to Charlemagne. Now, according to people, there is no way Charlemagne didn't know about this. And Reports are saying that this is probably why Angela also left. In case you mm. didn't know, Angela is also involved in real estate now, and she helps formerly incarcerated women in New York State obtain housing for when they come out of prison. So if I was her and I heard about Envy pulling housing scams, I'd want nothing to do with him either. Well, mm. it looks like people are convinced that Charlemagne is just as guilty, and as this person put it, Charlemagne knew something was up. He's laughing a little too hard at Envy in those clips when guests come at Envy about that real estate. But do you guys believe that Charlemagne was really involved or do you think that Envy is just grasping at straws? Drop your thoughts. Uh, Alright, that's the end of that video. Yeah, I mean, could be. Let's go to Ponzi Scam Origins. Something I saw on this and it is it is. You don't really And my process right now. This is uh, a financial world marvel that the genius of Charles Ponzi, the man who is in charge of one of the most successful business investments in America. He has millions of dollars at his disposal and crowds of people lining up. This is back in the day where like millions and millions were like billions and trillions. Ponzi's business was built on nothing but lies. The whole thing was an outrageous scam, one which turned Ponzi into a very rich man. What did he claim to be selling? Thousands of innocent people. Ponzi's deception was so shocking and infamous that even now, a hundred years later, the scam still shares his name, the Ponzi scheme. This video is the untold truth of the man behind the scam and how to make millions of dollars with nothing but lies. Charles Ponzi, the financial idiot who scammed the world. I think it's Magnates Media YouTube channel. March 3rd, 1882. His father was a hard-working postman, and overall, his family was financially comfortable. But it used to be so much more than that. Ponzi's grandparents and great-grandparents had all been successful businessmen, merchants, and public officials. The devotion to the working class really affected Ponzi from a young age, and made him bitter and resentful. He wondered why he had to suffer for his family's failing fortunes. Why couldn't he have been born rich and enjoy a life of leisure without having to worry about a job or money? <laughs> I don't want a job, I don't want money. Ah, oh, that's that guy, that Sam guy with the Bitcoin, whatever it was, financial shit. I don't understand none of this shit. I just know, like, in order for me to make, I mean, they say it takes money to make money, but my main philosophy is this, in order for me to, I don't have any money, which is why I'm giving you money, to hopefully make money, then that doesn't make sense. Because if I was able to get money on my own, then I wouldn't need you. And I get like stocks and bonds and things like that. It's just, it's all very complicated. It's a case by case basis. For, but for the most part, that's how I, I look at it myself. Like, that'd be like you working a regular nine to five job, but want to work there 
the first day you gotta fucking give us five hundred dollars deposit. You'll get it back when you leave, but not if you get fired. You can't get it back if you get fired. For whatever reason, they didn't make up that it's you know, we can take it out your paycheck every by week, you know. Or you can give it to us up front. The teenager, Fonzie inherited a modest sum of money following his father's death. He used it to enroll in college, as his mother had her heart set on him going to a prestigious college to get an education. But Fonzie had other plans. Instead of studying and going to class, he decided to burn through his savings by dressing in the latest fashions and eating at the fanciest restaurants in town. Then at night, maybe the theater or the opera. This was in the 1800s. How much did that shit cost? I mean, I know back then it was a lot back then, but nothing compared to now, right? Like, I feel like, I honestly, well, I'll probably get myself fucking lynched. Where'd you get all this money, nigga? Uh, <laughs> I had a suitcase of $100,000 of that time period's money, and I wanted to live a classy lifestyle. I feel like I could probably do that and still have money left over back then. And let's take out the racial factor of them, like, where'd you get this money from? Because, <laughs> you know, I have the money. It's a problem. But, you know, Ponzi gets the money. It's, oh, that's a good old white boy. That's fine. Bought some gambling at the casino with his wealthy friends. Nothing was too extravagant or expensive for him. Ponzi liked to pretend that he was just like his rich friends and that he had endless money, but it was an illusion. And one day, it all came crashing down around him. I can kind of relate to that, though. When I was living in New York and in college and stuff like that, I, I, I would say probably a lot of the kids I was probably living with or living around, parents made more than enough money. I mean, it wasn't it's an expensive school. It's not known for athletics. I mean, they, the basketball team used to be good. Used to be good. Did they have a football team? I don't remember. Um, basketball team used to be good. I used to be up there. Um, but when I was there, they just started to climb. Maybe I was a bad luck thing. But they still haven't been good since then. Before I got there, they were kind of like one of those teams. Like, oh, yeah, they'd be pulling victory. They're pretty good. And I got there and they started losing a lot. Eh. But I feel like a lot of the, a lot of the, some of the majority kids there, if I can go back to my college days in New York, I want to go back to the first day I got there. What I want to do, study hard, passion. Classes were easy. Classes were easy. The problem is I never showed up. Because you were too hungover from being in and trying to work a job in the city because I didn't want to. I was living in off-campus housing, but it had rules to it. Anytime somebody wanted to bring a guest in, the guest had to come in and sign in. And then only guests were only allowed during certain hours of the day. If you wanted an overnight pass for a guest to stay there, they had to fill out some kind of weird form at the office or whatever. And it couldn't be a guest of the opposite sex. Right? So if you were, and then people would like sell those off. Hey, I got my girlfriend coming in from town. Can you say that she's your cousin and or sister or whatever, and I'll pay you whatever for the weekend? And then you only get like a certain amount of those passes per semester or whatever the case was. It was weird. It's very weird from what I remember. I'm thinking about it now. It was very weird. <clears throat> but instead of gauging in college activities, like college parties or college social meetups and stuff like that, I was trying to get into the city. I was hitting up mics. I mean, I was building myself as a comedian in New York the way, you, the way you're supposed to do it. But it's like, yeah, but I'm also supposed to be in school studying. 
and shit like that. I said, fuck school, dog. I want to do this shit. And I mean, I barely passed the first year I got there. And I was on a, I was on like a scholarship. I had to maintain like a two point something to keep the scholarship or whatever it was. Because I wasn't going to class to, mind you, that became a problem. Just going to class, dude. Like, and then I also had some mental stuff going on at the time, too, as well. Like, there was one period of time, I remember, like, I just didn't want to get out of bed for a couple of days. I just slept in bed for a couple of days straight. I didn't get out, didn't do anything. I just, just laid in bed all day. Not even, like, looking at my phone, because, I mean, is this the time period you can do that? I think you can have Netflix on your computer to watch stuff, but I don't think it was an app yet. But I was just laying in bed all day, just laying in bed, just like uncontrollably sobbing. Things like that. Yeah, I was fucked up, dude. Ugh, mental issues. His inheritance money finally ran out, and since his studies had been completely neglected, he had no chance of graduating. Mm-hmm. His uncle offered him work as a clerk, but the idea of finding a nine to five job repulsed Ponzi. So, in order to get out the debt that you put yourself in, someone offers you work and you don't want it. That's the definition of my living. Trying to live beyond. Keep him trying, trying to keep up with the Joneses, man. You want this lifestyle of being rich and affluent and that happen to work and everything comes to you so easy. How dare someone see me work? What if I'm at the office and someone walks in and sees me? considered himself too good for menial labor. He felt he had only one choice left. Travel to America and strike it rich there. Mm. To America. In 1903, Ponzi arrived in Boston aboard the SS Vancouver. He felt a deep shame in his heart that he'd let his mother down and believed that the only way to redeem himself was to return to Italy as a rich man. The only problem was he had no idea how to do that. Mm. America proved to be a much needed reality check for young Ponzi. There was no more inheritance money and no more relatives to bail him out of trouble. As distasteful as he found physical labor, he had no choice. If he wanted to eat, he needed to work. Ponzi spent the next few years up and down the East Coast, from New York to Florida. He worked as a sign painter, a waiter, a grocery clerk, a dishwasher, a factory hand, an insurance salesman, and a sewing machine repairer. He did all that. He could have stayed in Italy and been a clerk. See, but in his mind, he's trying to build towards something else somewhere else. Oh, this is only temporary. That's what we say to ourselves a lot of times. Oh, this is only temporary. I'm going to move on and be something better after this. And then you go on to be... You go from... A dishwasher to a factory hand. This is only temporary. I'm not going to be here that long. To an insurance salesman. Oh, this is only temporary. I'm not going to be here that long. To a, a sewing machine repair. Like, None of his gigs lasted long, though. Ponzi yeah. either quit because he hated the work, or he was fired because he tried to cheat the customers. This often meant he resorted to stealing or begging for scraps of food and sleeping in parks. Mm. It was a far cry from his carefree days as a high roller back in Rome. And even when Ponzi did manage to scrape together a bit of cash, he would inevitably spend it all on a big night out or a weekend vacation to remind himself of the good old days. In 1907, Ponzi traveled to Montreal. Well, hold on, did he say he would or he, he, he wanted to? Often men, he resorted to stealing or begging for scraps of food and sleeping in parks. It was a far cry from his carefree days as a high roller back in Rome. And even when Ponzi did manage to scrape together a bit of cash, he would inevitably spend it all on... He spent it on trying to look, you know, that's like spending your rent money in the club. That's literally what that is. That's like, instead of... Paying your bills and being a responsible adult, 
You take all that money, let's just say a total of like two grand every month is what you pay in bills, right? That's including rent, whatever your rent is, and utilities or whatever. Take that two grand, let me get that all in singles. I'm going to the strip club, baby. Woo! Just throw it in the air. Enough care for you, no out or a weekend vacation to remind himself of the good old days. In 1907, Ponzi traveled to Montreal, hoping that Canada would prove to be more welcoming and lucrative. And at first, things were looking up for him. He found work as a clerk at a bank that mainly served Italian immigrants called Banco Zarossi. It was the same type of job that Ponzi had turned down back in Rome because right. he considered himself too good for it. But it was surprising how a few years on the streets working for minimum wage could change his perspective. Unfortunately for Ponzi, his new job did not last long because his boss was a con man. Zarossi was using an oh. age-old fraud known as Robin Peter to pay Paul. In other words, he was using the money from his newest clients in order to pay off his older ones. This allowed Zarossi to offer six percent in. That's pretty much, and that's pretty much in a in a sense what the Ponzi scheme is: robbing Peter to pay Paul. You're taking from new investors to give money to old investors to keep the cycle flowing, and once you get that money back, if the new investors stay on long enough, you'll cycle it back to them eventually, maybe. I mean. Uh, but I feel like with a scam like this, there's too many plates going. That's why you need a. That's why one person can't do it by themselves. You know what I mean? That's why you get caught. Can you remember all those details? Of who you paid, when you paid them, how much they paid, and how much they gave you, things like that. I spent that all on my lobster dinner last night with Rihanna. I was chilling with with with, with uh, ASAP Rock and Rihanna last night in in in, in South France. We eating lobster and caviar. Had my feet up on the table. I was chilling with Instagram baddie. Throwing money on the table, talking about talking to Travis Scott, talking about, but you can't do this. Throwing the money down. No, nah, don't look at your wife. No, nah, no, nah, don't don't give him any money. I'm talking about him. I'm talking about him personally. But you can't do this. <laughs> I don't know where that money went. It's just it's, it's somewhere. It's in the it's in the somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> interest rates on all bank deposits, which was double the average rate. However, his clients started getting suspicious when their relatives back home kept complaining they weren't receiving the money the bank was supposed to send. Mm. In 1908, the authorities began investing. Oh. She's supposed to send money to Italy. Imagine back then how long it would take to get communications back. Mom, since you $200 last month. $200 here, which would be, let's say, 400 over there, right? That's a good amount over there. Let's exchange rate-wise. Did you get it? No, so you never got any money over here. Like, what the... Because it would, it, would, it, would it would take a while for that to catch on because people, they must have been doing it legitly for a while because you have that people saying, like, oh, yeah, it's fine... I don't think anything starts off. I mean, even if you do start it off as a scam, you have to show something works somewhere down the line. You know, like I'm just gonna give you my money. I hope you send it to my my relatives overseas. Fuck no, get out of here. I think he's Western Union. <laughs> At which point, Zarossi filled a suitcase with all the cash he could carry and fled to Mexico, leaving his employees and the family to deal with the fallout from the scam. Uh, Not to be the one who takes the fall, Ponzi intended to travel back to the United States. So he but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. But what the what his boss was doing? Job did not last long because his boss was a con man. So Rossi was using an age-old fraud known as robbing Peter to pay Paul. In other words, he was using the money. I guess maybe he got the idea from his boss. 
But that's pretty much what a Ponzi scheme is. And why he gets the credit, why why it, it gets accredited to him, specifically when it seems like that's what people were doing all along anyway. From his newest clients, in order to pay off his older ones, this allowed Zerossi to offer 6% interest rates on all bank deposits, which was double the average rate. However, his clients started getting... So what I'm going to decide to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do two things. Um, I guess I'm going to record a super long episode one time, see how that goes. And then I'll chop up my episode and see how that goes. Until you guys email me at 80 Comedy. I know you guys are watching out there. I see numbers going up, but I'm not getting any feedback on these episodes. Like, what can I do better? What can I do worse? Stop breathing so heavy into the microphone. Yeah, I know. I know. I know that already. Suspicious when their relatives back home kept complaining they weren't receiving the money the bank was supposed to send. In mid-1908, the authorities began investigating the bank for embezzlement, at which point Zorossi filled a suitcase with all the cash he could carry and fled to Mexico, leaving his employees and the family to deal with the fallout mm. from the scam. Not wanting to be the one who Peace, bitch. Ponzi intended to travel back to the United States so he didn't have to be involved in the investigation and fallout from Zorossi's scam. But before that, he did something very stupid. So that he wouldn't have to start from scratch again, he thought he would give himself a little going away present by forging a check from one of his bank's clients, a shipping firm called the Canadian Warehousing Company. Ponzi stole a blank check from the manager's checkbook and filled it out for $423.58. A believable and unsuspicious yeah. amount for Ponzi, but as soon as he tried to cash the fraudulent check, the bank teller easily spotted the fake signature and alerted the police. Ponzi but he already got three years in prison at St. Vincent de Paul Penitentiary. He got three years in prison for that. For that, for the four hundred and something dollar check, because it's, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I was like, yeah, she either test it out, call out. I thought he was gonna give himself a going away present, like he fucking scammed a bunch of money from one place and then went to America. Was trying to be like, oh, I lived that life already. Of course, this was just the start of Ponzi's crimes. I could already see where it was going to fucking commercial from there. Bank back in America. So he came back to America after that Italy fiasco. I mean, after that Canadian fiasco. And he immediately made plans to travel to the States again. But he didn't go alone. Instead, he took with him five Italian immigrants, all fresh off the boat without any proper papers, as he'd been paid to smuggle these men into America. Ponzi figured uh. this would set him up with a nice quick payday now that he was a free man again. However, he got caught and was arrested once again. Still, Ponzi hoped that if he pled guilty, the judge would go easy on him and maybe just let him off with a small fine. But once the judge banged his gavel and passed the sentence, Ponzi's heart sank. He was given another two years in federal prison in Atlanta. After being released from jail for a second time, Ponzi was unsure of his next move. He'd come up with all these different plans to get rich whilst in prison, but they all required money, and Ponzi was penniless. Therefore, with little choice, he wandered from state to state again, working whatever odd jobs came his way. Ultimately, he found a decent position as a clerk with an import-export business called the JR Pool Company in Boston. So after a decade and a half in North America, he'd ended up in the same place where he began. Life in Boston was decidedly better for Ponzi the second time around, though. He was good at his job for a change, and it was promoted for it. Not just that, but Ponzi met 21-year-old Rose Gineco and instantly fell head over heels for her. The first time they spoke, Ponzi was so nervous that- Has there been a mo- 
I'm going to be done on this guy already. On that, uh... They could fairly string two words together. Fortunately for him, the feeling was mutual, and the two got married in early 1918. His new married life made Ponzi feel happy, but he also felt inadequate. Even though Rose was content with a simple life, Ponzi had much grander ambitions. He wanted to be able to shower her with diamond rings, fancy clothes, and expensive holidays. Obviously, this was never going to happen on a quick salary. Well, that's just natural. You know, you want the best for your lover. I mean, he was already in that role for himself, but now he's going to use her as an excuse to do it. That's the difference, though. Like, when you get married or you love someone and you're with someone romantically, you want to give them the best. When you have kids, you want to give them the best. So, maybe you dilly-dally into crime, and then, boom, you're in the crime because you're trying to provide for the best. So, six months after the wedding, Ponzi quit his steady job at JR Ball and began looking for something new to do. He started off by joining his father-in-law's wholesale fruit selling business. The company was struggling, and since Ponzi always bragged to his wife about being a financial genius, this was the time for him to show everyone what he could do. However, Ponzi was unable to save the failing business, ah. and instead it went bankrupt by the end of the year. Undeterred by his recent failure, Ponzi rented a small office to start his own import-export business instead, but <sighs> the world at large took no notice of him. Ponzi lacked the experience and the Contacts to attract any serious business. Right. However, Ponzi That's all business-related contacts. Bring your port into here for this amount of money. You know, like it's not just because stuff comes in on shipping freighters and things like that. They have a contract with the shipping freighters, contract with people over the seas wherever they're getting it from. But maybe he just needed to advertise his services more. Unfortunately, a few quick calculations made him realize that the cost was well outside of his reach. Mm. Just like that. Ponzi's import and export business became another failed venture. The only silver lining for Ponzi was his failure had already given him his next idea. When Ponzi had seen how much money it would cost him to publicize his services, he thought that maybe he should publish his own trade magazine so that other companies would pay him the same kind of giant advertising fees. Ponzi ah. had no experience when it came to publishing, but in his mind, this was already a million dollar business idea. He would call his magazine The Trader's Guide, and he would send it for free to 100,000 companies, doubling the circulation number with each new issue. According to Ponzi's calculation. Ah, create a magazine. It's full of bullshit. Like, what was the the? I mean, back then though, you didn't expect it to come like weekly or monthly or whatever. So, if it didn't get to you for a while, I was like, well, I guess I didn't get this issue. His initial mailing would cost him around $35,000, but he would make $80,000 in advertising income since he was certain that companies would be lining up around the block to publicize their services in his magazine. Certain of success, Ponzi rented a much- Publish a fake magazine, advertising your fake services. It's genius, especially during that time period. That's fucking genius. You take all that money and you do that, it's like, well, okay larger office and hired three staff members. And then he began writing and writing to investors and business owners about the possibility of getting involved with the first ever issue of the Trader's Guide. Then reality came crashing down on Ponzi like a ton of bricks. Nobody was interested. Nobody mm. cared about his obscure little trade magazine. And they certainly were not willing to pay his exorbitant rates to get featured on it. Then, when Ponzi went to his local bank to get a loan, because he was almost out of money, he got another harsh dose of reality when the bank president refused his application on the spot, telling him he'd rather close Ponzi account that loaded him a single dollar. These mm. were the pills to swallow for Ponzi, and left with little choice, he had to fire his staff and sublet his office space to earn some money. But his dreams and ambitions remained as powerful as ever, and Ponzi hoped that his next idea would be the one to make him rich. 
One day in August 1919, Ponzi was going through his mail when he spotted a letter from Spain. Back when he still thought the Trader's Guide would become the next big thing in advertising, Ponzi was not content with simply doing business in America. He, he sent it all over the world. He translated into French, German, Italian, Spanish, and Portuguese, and that he would expand his business into Europe. Uh -huh. And thus, he'd contacted many foreign companies about the possibility of doing business together, and it seems that at least one of them was interested. The Spanish author of the letter requested a copy of the Trader's Guide, and to pay for postage, he included something that Ponzi had never seen before, an international reply coupon, or IRC. IRCs were prepaid coupons that could be bought in exchange for postage stamps in any country that was a member of the Universal Postal Union. They were commonly used by people who sent letters internationally to cover the cost of a return letter where they were not expecting the other person to pay the postage. But for Ponzi, they were a vault of inspiration and were about to change his life forever. Mm. They always talk about that. That's what I'm saying. They always talk about the Ponzi scheme. I'm not saying, what did he promise to sell is never brought up because it seems like the same thing over and over again. And it's the same thing over and over again, to be honest with you, really. Like, this guy is... is Someone that did it before him. I don't know why it gets attributed to him when he was working at a bank where it happened, where the guy was robbing Peter to pay Paul. That's what they used to call it. But now it's just generally called a Ponzi scheme. Ponzi had learned about the concept of arbitrage, the strategy of buying and selling an asset in different markets in order to take advantage of the price difference and make a profit. Ah, sell overseas, jack it up. So Ponzi's out here living his best life. Doing whatever you gotta do to be that top 1%, or at least look like it, right? That's basically what he wanted to do. He wanted to live a life of luxury to... Um, he didn't want to work, but he wanted to live a life of luxury. Even though he had rich grandparents and could have lived pretty well in Italy working that bank job and not have to do everything he did in America. He could have stayed in Italy and been a working class person. Maybe some benefits on the side or whatever. But he's just like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to work. Years earlier, Ponzi had learned about the concept of arbitrage, the strategy of buying and selling an asset in different markets in order to take advantage of the price difference and make a profit. In the case of IRCs, they were always exchanged for the same postage value regardless of the country, but they were purchased at slightly different prices depending on the fluctuations in local currency. Okay. So in theory, Ponzi could buy an IRC in Italy where the lira had taken a serious hit after the war and then redeem it in the United States for American postage stamps where he knew the dollar value would be slightly higher. He would then sell those stamps and make a tiny profit. Then by scaling the operation to thousands, even... That seems way too fucking complicated. Even these scams to not work seem so... You're doing so much scamming not to work. You're putting so much work into the scam not to work, but well, you could have just been working the whole time. It's the whole thing. I don't understand. The reason you, you, you pull off a scam like that is to get a quick, easy payday and not have to work. But you're putting so much time and effort into the scam to make it seem legitimate and everything like that. And it seems like you could have just been at a, you could have had a regular job and you wouldn't be in trouble with the law. 
and millions of IRCs, he was looking at some serious money. This was Ponzi's new business plan, and on paper, it seemed like not only a good idea, but also perfectly legal. Arbitrage was a sound investment tactic that had been in use for centuries. So in January 1920, Ponzi started a new company to handle what seemed to be his most promising business venture yet, and he called it the Securities Exchange Company. Unfortunately for Ponzi, like many times before, reality came in to crush his hopes and dreams. The truth was that the profits from the arbitrage of IRCs were so small that they would be completely wiped out by the cost of shipping the IRCs from one country to another. There literally were not enough IRCs in the entire world to sustain the kind of operation that Ponzi was imagining. Right. And yet he refused to let go of this idea. Ponzi was convinced that this So even the even the even that in itself is like you don't see like this is not worth it. If you gotta put more time and effort into the scam than you would clocking in a nine to five. Oh, but if I pull the scam off, though, I'm gonna get millions of dollars as opposed to just getting a bi-weekly check of whatever you get. Okay, I kind of get that, but at the same time, it's like the scam becomes your nine to five, pretty much. You might, you know, you might as well just go into legit business then was his golden goose, his one-way ticket to the life of wealth and luxury he'd always felt he deserved. So when the legitimate business proved unsustainable, he turned his idea into the infamous Ponzi scheme that shares his name. After all, his plan to arbitrage IRCs sounded really good. So even though it actually wasn't good at all, maybe he could convince other people it would work and take their money. Uh. Now, at its core, the Ponzi scheme is similar to the classic fraud robbing Peter to pay Paul, which Ponzi saw firsthand back when he was involved working for Banco Sorossi. It involves getting people to invest in a business opportunity by promising them huge returns in a short amount of time with little to no risk. However, their money never really gets invested. Instead, the fraudster keeps most of it for themselves, whilst giving some of the profits to earlier investors. Right. When these early investors see such large returns, most of them agree to reinvest their profits back into the business it. to make even more money, thinking it all seems to be working as advertised. Yep. Many of them even tell other people about the opportunity, as they believe the earnings are perfectly legitimate. And that creates but new in investors. Reality, all that's happening is those early investors are getting paid using some of the money from new investors. So... The only benefit of a Ponzi scheme is to be an early investor. <laughs> it seems like it is. It seems like what they're saying. This just seems like it is. It was like because the early investors are the only one that actually get. They don't get the anywhere near the amount that they put in, but they get something back as opposed to anybody after that doesn't get shit. It's a very simple but effective system that preys on people's greed and financial naivety. Mm -hmm. But it requires a constant flow of new funds in order to keep the scam going. Exactly. As soon as the fraudster can't find enough new investors to pay off the returns of his older investors, the con usually falls apart. Even though the scheme was named after Ponzi, he was not the first one to do it. A New York bookkeeper named William Miller used the same technique to con investors out of $1 million back in 1899. And outside of America, a German actress named Adele Stitzeder may have operated the first known Ponzi scheme in history in the early 1870s. However, but it's not the Spitzer's, the Spitzer scheme or the Miller scheme, it's the Ponzi scheme. But Ponzi took the idea to a whole new level. With the holidays approaching, we all know most Yeah, no, we're not going to do whatever for them. I know that that's why they pay their bills. No disrespect to you guys. I mean, this is very informational. This is, uh, let me subscribe to this channel if I'm not already. Uh, I'll subscribe. Pretty informational, I will say. But I'm not gonna let you listen to their fucking 
add vert that they got going on here for whatever they're doing. It just seemed like, dude, other than having a conscience and not wanting that on my conscience or on, on that stain on my soul, if you were to say that, Ponzi schemes seem like so much work more than just going to work and clocking in and clocking out. I mean, the potential of money is greater, but the work is just about the same. Or it double, mind you. Because you got to keep it going constantly, 24-7. You don't get... Once once the regular person clocks out of work, they go home. They don't have to deal with work once they get home. Usually. Usually. Unless your management or something like that. Or an or owner or an investor or something like that. But for the regular layman who's there once they clock into work they do their job they clock out of work they get paid for that time to have all those wills spending 24 hours a day 24 7 seven days a week it just doesn't seem like it's worth it really i mean i guess you guys have that hustlers thing to want to do that but at the same time it's like i just i wouldn't be able to i, I literally would not be able to sleep at night because I'd be up thinking about like, oh, what I tell this person, who I told that person to. I'm getting money from this person, that person. This is, like, it's so much shit that you gotta... You wonder why fucking um, mob people and stuff get caught with like, ledgers of like, money and books and stuff like Because you gotta keep that shit down somewhere, bro. Keep that shit all in your head, you don't lose track of everything. offered investors a staggering 50% return in 45 days, or 100% return in 90 days. He claimed to have a vast network of agents all over the world who are buying IRCs in bulk and shipping them to America. If pressed for any details on his operation, Ponzi would refuse to divulge any information, simply claiming that he couldn't share all the details of exactly how it worked, as then it could potentially help his competition. Most banks, companies, and serious investors stayed away from Ponzi. They knew when something was too good to be true, and in fact, almost anyone who knew a thing or two about finances could tell that it was impossible for Ponzi to deliver on his promises. Right. But they were not the ones Ponzi targeted. Yeah, exactly. You talk about the low class wanting to be rich. Who used to be just like him, with more dreams than common sense. Right. Who were always looking to the best way to get rich quick. This meant he preyed on the people with very little financial literacy, often people in desperate need of money fast. Ponzi understood that his true talent was not dealing with finances, dealing with people. He knew how to sell his business without appearing too eager or aggressive, as if it made no difference to him whether he got their money or not. Ponzi started out with people in his own neighborhood and got 18 of them to invest in his first month. Once they were all paid their first... Why would you do that in your own neighborhood where you sleep at? I would never, ever fucking think to imagine do that shit. That's like me going up and down this apartment complex in every building trying to sell something. I mean, you may get a few tickets here and there, depending on how good your sales pitch is, but you live in this area. They're going to see you eventually. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, even as a scammer, you should not do that in your own neighborhood where you rest at. That's like drug dealing 101. Never sell crack where you rest at. I don't care if that nigga want an ounce of amounts. 
The trend of profits, word started spreading fast, and soon thousands of people began crowding the streets outside Ponzi's office, desperate to invest their own money in this seemingly surefire opportunity. Month after month, Ponzi gained more and more clients, raking in over $250,000 a day at the peak of his operation. Mm. The Boston Post held him as a financial genius, which gave him yet more perceived credibility, credibility yep. for investors. Yep. Soon, Ponzi was able to live the life he'd always yep. dreamed of. Once you get a, once, once you get a legit co-sign from somebody who doesn't know you, they don't know what you're doing, they don't know your intentions, imagine, imagine getting a little, I mean, that guy that wrote that book with me in Little Fibers knows but or whatever the name of the book was I was saying it's not a bad book but if he had just labeled it as a fiction he wouldn't be in as much trouble as what this is it you know if it was just a fiction book he wouldn't have been Oprah the fact that he labeled it as like an autobiography or 100% true or some shit like that that's why he got trouble um yeah like imagine that Imagine getting like a cosign from someone big like Oprah, Obama. Hell, even nowadays, depending on what market you're in, Trump cosigns your shit. This is a guy who knows very much about business sense. He, he learned from me the tactics, the ways to sell, but he did it in a different way. I wish I knew what he knew when I wrote my book, but he did it even better than that. But I give him credit for this, but he gave me credit for the inspiration of it. Into a giant mansion, bought a fast car, just only in expensive clothes, wore gold watches and diamond pins, and went on lavish first class trips. It was the lifestyle that Ponzi always felt he deserved, but he did not get to enjoy it long. Was he still married during that time period? By the start of the summer, less than six months after Ponzi launched his new venture, there were rumblings of doubt about his business. Initially, everyone was afraid to say anything, since Ponzi had successfully sued a financial analyst for libel who'd accused Ponzi of lying. Ooh. After all, many early investors had been paid already, which Ponzi said was proof everything was legitimate. But then the Boston Post, the same newspaper that once proclaimed Ponzi a genius, started to investigate his operation. They brought in Clarence Barron, president of Dow Jones and manager of the Wall Street Journal, who spotted the obvious scheme. By his calculations, Ponzi would have needed to purchase 160 million IRCs, and yet there were only 27,000 in circulation in the whole world. Mm. In July 1920, the Post presented... How did they know that during that time period that was in circulation? 1920, you can't Google that shit. How did they know? I, I mean, I understand speaking up like something doesn't look right here, but... Friends' conclusions on the front page of the newspaper, decrying Ponzi as a fraud and prompting an investigation into his company. But the wheels of justice turned slowly, and Ponzi was able to ease the concerns of the government officials initially by cooperating fully and even saying he'd stop taking in new investments while he was under scrutiny. Mm. But then Ponzi caused his own downfall by hiring William McMasters as his publicist. Unlike Ponzi, McMasters was an honest man who soon realized that his client was a total fraud. McMasters. He later said, Ponzi is a financial idiot. He can hardly even add up. He sits with his feet on the desk, smoking expensive cigars in a diamond holder, and talking complete gibberish about postal coupons. With access to all of Ponzi's records, McMasters collected the evidence he needed and went to the Boston Post, where he wrote a Pulitzer Prize-winning expose detailing mm. all of Ponzi's secrets. This time, the game was really up, and the Ponzi scheme collapsed. Several banks had to declare bankruptcy, tens of thousands of people lost their life savings, Ponzi himself was indicted on 86 counts of mail fraud. However, the con man managed to strike a deal and pleaded guilty to only 
only a single charge of mail fraud, receiving just five years in federal prison. A relatively small amount, given the huge amount of money stolen and right. the vast amount of lives ruined. I don't take that to account. Chapter 6, The Dream is Over. Ponzi was released after three and a half years in prison, and this time he was finally a changed man and ready to do some good in the world. I'm just kidding. He literally tried a new scam immediately after uh. he was released. Ponzi knew that the government wanted to either deport him to Italy or imprison him again on larceny charges. So he fled to Florida, where he planned to essentially repeat the Ponzi scam again. He started a new company, the Sharpong Land Syndicate, and sought people to invest in property around Jacksonville. He offered even higher gains than before, saying he could get people a 200% return in just 60 days. Hmm. DJ Envy, does this sound kind of familiar to you? I feel like if you were to watch something like this, maybe it wouldn't be in the predicament you're in now. That and business that we sense that you've, you've, you've had money for a while. And you, you know, I understand financial literacy isn't something that's taught in a lot of inner city public school systems, unfortunately. They'll regurgitate the same textbook information to you, or when I went to school, how to pass a test. I don't know anything other than how to pass a state, state ma mandated test. That's why I don't know any fucking thing. Because they just went over When you go to the thing, they're going to ask you these kind of questions. So we're going to go over those. And that's literally what we did every day. There was no learning about anything else or exploring outside things. It was just all about we got to pass this test to make the school look good. The only problem was that the property he was selling was worthless swampland. This time, though, there were no takers. Ponzi's fraud was soon exposed, and he risked being sent to Massachusetts, where a lengthy sentence awaited him. Not wanting to go back to prison yet again, Ponzi changed his look and tried to travel to Italy as a sailor aboard a cargo ship. Uh. However, he was recognized and arrested in New Orleans. Ponzi was now a desperate man. He wrote to President Calvin Coolidge asking for mercy, even appealed to Mussolini to intervene on his behalf. <laughs> Well, almost the two worst people. Didn't Coolidge get caught up in the scandal? And Mussolini's a fucking fascist dictator that got hung during World War Two Or after World War Two. <laughs> hey, I'm just like you guys. Help me out here. But of course, nobody listened. It was the end of the line for him. Ponzi served another seven years in prison, and the man who came out was not the same as the one who went two, in. Two, five, Ponzi seven. was a broken mess who had lost all the charm and confidence that once made him so rich. As he faced deportation to Italy, his wife chose to stay behind in America and divorced him. Mm. Ponzi spent the rest of his years in poverty, with only memories to comfort him of the times when he when had... He had deported to Italy where he died a broke man, but he got deported to Italy. He ended up I mean, it's sometimes, some places they say... Rio de Janeiro, where he died in 1949 in a charity hospital and was buried in a pauper's grave. Thus oh. bringing an end to one of the most notorious tales of rags to riches to rags in history. However, in terms of the amount of money Ponzi con people out of, he's actually not one of the biggest financial fraudsters. If you want to know about the guy who stole billions of dollars and then partied with celebrities like Leonardo DiCaprio... Alright, no, because that's going to be just a tease. That's going to see, that's how you get into a rabbit hole. Then we're going to stop there. Um, yeah. DJ MV's Ponzi scheme, uh, scheme, allegedly. Speaking like, if he, dude, stuff like this has been going on forever. Since money has been a thing of the, well, since goods have been, um, relegated for services or something like that. It's not just straight up, hey, I killed this sheep. 
can I have some of your fruit and I'll trade you for it. Boom. Now we've got this little piece of paper that separates us. This paper means more than us just doing a straight up trade. Which is why we need to establish a bartering system. We should just establish a general bartering system. This is worth this much, this is worth that much, depending on the market. And because once you get money involved, then that's where like all the fuckery starts. Because it was the paper, it was the lifestyle, wanting to be more than he's supposed to be. All that shit just fucking ruined him. And he wasn't a good man. I'm not trying to be like, oh, it ruined him. He could have been a good man. For me, personally, like I said, all that scamming and doing all that stuff and trying to balance those books and all that type of shit. Oh, well, it seemed like he really didn't care. It seemed like he said whatever one day and then said whatever the next day. And was like, well, fuck it. But in order to keep something like that going legit, like, not even legitimately, I'm sorry, I thought of the word. In order to keep something like that going, long-term-wise, to look for, like, a... Say, if I can just hit 10 million, I'm going to cash out, I'm going to disappear, right? I'm at 7.8 right now. You got to keep all these plates spinning. It's too much time and energy spent on that. You could just have a regular job. Yeah, you got more during that one take than you would have a regular job, but at the same time, no. I'm sure he was stressed out. Like, really, think about his day-to-day life. When he wasn't getting money, when he just had that... that thing set up. He wasn't getting money. He wasn't getting any clients. That's gotta be fucking stressful, dude. Like, could you sleep at night knowing that? Like, uh, no one's interested in my magazine. No one's buying my fucking stamp scheme thingy. Like, but for him, I'm sure he was just always looking for the next pay. Well, if that doesn't work, I'm sure he had something else in the back pocket as well. You see how we end up connecting things on this show? This wasn't planned. Went from DJ Envy's housing scheme, allegedly, to this. And that's going to be in an episode. Thank you for listening. And that's going to be it for the show. Uh, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. If you enjoyed that show, you liked what I had to say during that show, please go to the wherever you're listening to this podcast at with iTunes, Google, Spotify, wherever it allows you to rate this a- uh, episode or podcast. Uh, five stars is preferable, but rate whatever you feel is needed. And be sure to comment and subscribe. More stuff is going to be coming up in the future. Um, you can always email me at adcomedyjokes at gmail.com. I'm not a funny duddy person. I do read all the emails that come come to me. And I reply personally. Uh, you know. So that is me. It's not like an assistant or an intern doing it. <laughs> um, if you really, really enjoy the show. And you want to keep the show moving forward. What you can do is you can help by donating. Tipping on the cash app. Dollar sign A-D- comedy jokes do that on there that'll help keep the show running you know every dollar you spend on the show will help keep the show up, up and running even if it's just a dollar you send 10 people listen to the show everyone sends a dollar helps out 
it all adds up and it all goes to the show. I'm not pocketing any money in my spare time, flying to Barbados on the weekend and coming back here. Trust me, it all goes into the show. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, no matter where you are or when you are, when you hear this show, remember that I love you.